Happy Father's Day, family, to all of you, whether you're in the room or whether you're online. Um, I just need to, you know, sometimes when you're the senior pastor, then you get to do stuff like this. I just need to help Richard understand that he's right. Not all fathers need fashion consultants. Some of us know that the shirt is salmon and not pink. We don't need anybody to tell us that. We just know. Also, we know enough not to preach a whole sermon on the Sunday when the lights in the church are malfunctioning and we've got this beautiful purple side to us. Although, you know, Richard and I just mentioned that maybe one day our hair will be purple. Please, no. It's Father's Day, and I don't know whether you got your presents yet, Dad. According to Richard, some of you wouldn't have got because others of us got, and, you know, the, the ratios and all that. I don't know if you got what you want. But, but if you're a bit like me, and you love giving gifts, you probably also like receiving gifts. I don't know if you've ever been in a position where somebody said to you, you can have anything you want. You can have anything you want. Now, there have been times in my life when that's been said to me, and the truth is, immediately I know what we do. We go, who's asking? <laughs> Because we know that an invitation to you can have anything you want actually is never carte blanche. Because the person who's offering obviously has to have at least the resources to give us what we want. And so, so it's a challenge. I mean, if somebody came to me and they had a particular set of resources and they said, John, you can have anything that you want. One of the things I would ask for is the Toyota Land Cruiser like that one? Not, not a fancy shopping cart one, a real Land Cruiser. A Land Cruiser troop carrier, because awesome. Who doesn't want one of those? Or, or perhaps somebody would come and say, John, you can have anything you want, and I'd go, ooh, can I please have a Lamazoka G3? Now, I've got a really nice coffee machine at home, but that one, oh, I mean, it's awesome. I know for some people, if they get offered anything they want, they may say, oh, could I just have a spa day? Ah, spa day creeps me out. Can I tell you the kind of spa day I'd like to have? It's this kind of spa day. Yes, that was my spa day a little while back. My two granddaughters decided it was spa day for Pompa. Nails done, the whole nine yards, got a bit of a massage, and I got my hand beard done. And it was amazing. You can have anything you want. You see, the problem is when you ask that question, you have to decide in your heart who's going to answer it. Okay, let me not say you. When I'm told you can have anything you want, I have to decide in my heart who's going to answer it. Is the selfish, self-seeking, self-centered John Ben, the greedy John Ben, the John Ben who wants just nice things for himself going to answer? Or is the transformed John Ben going to answer? The one who, who wants to, deep in his heart, Love the Lord his God with all his heart, all his soul, and all his strength. And the one who wants to learn to love his neighbor as much as he loves himself. 
You see, when you get asked, what do you want? You can have anything you want. You have to decide who's going to answer that question. And let me say, it's not unusual to have that struggle. The Apostle Paul had that same struggle. He said, in my relationship with God, I, I don't know, you know, I've got these two people. I've got the one who, who, who wants to do all the things that God wants him to do, and then I've got this other one who constantly makes me do the things I don't want to do or ends up doing things that I know I shouldn't do. And, and I'm a wretched man. That's the terminology he uses if he uses an old translation. And so this Father's Day, I mean, let's not kid ourselves. One of the pressures that fathers live with and experience and have in their lives is this. I want to provide. I want to provide for my children. I want to provide good things. But the truth is, that's not just a dad's issue. That's every parent's struggle. That's every grandparent's struggle. That's even our nation's struggle. That's the whole world's struggle. We want to provide. We want to give what's good and what's right, and what people need. God tells us that we can have anything we want. He really does. And this morning, I want to talk about how do we unlock that? How do we, how do we honestly, as followers of Jesus, respond to the fact that we can have anything we want? How do I get anything I want. Let's be honest, we are humans, eh? I don't know if you had siblings, and if you did, do you remember those times where you decided collectively you wanted something, and then you decided who was gonna ask and which parent they were gonna ask, yeah? Because that's how you get things. And so is this a thing of where, if we can just learn the right technique, if we can just learn how to twist God's arm enough, we can get anything we want. Is this a thing of, if, if I just had enough faith, I could actually have that Land Cruiser 70 troop carrier. If I just asked in the right way, you know, and I named it and I claimed it properly, that I would get it. Or is that just trying to twist God's arm? Or is it me lacking faith? What's going on here? This morning, I want, to, I want to tell you that I genuinely believe that God will give us anything we want. But the T's and C's that apply. Listen to what it says in Matthew 11, verse 9. If you don't think I'm being serious when I say God will give you what you want, Jesus says in Matthew 11, 9, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For anyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now Jesus is, is giving this lesson in, in the context of his disciples have come to him and asked him how to pray, and he's taught them the Lord's Prayer, 
And then he tells them this strange story about, you know, if one of your neighbors, if, if somebody came and visited you and you had to show hospitality to somebody and you, you didn't have what you needed, you'd go knock on your neighbor's door and you'd say, listen, please, can I have some bread? I've got people that are visiting. And, and, and you wouldn't stop until the oak is like, ugh. Okay, I'm just, to shut this person up, I'm just gonna give them what they need. And then he says this. And is he like saying, well, if you pester God enough, he's eventually gonna give you what you want. I wanna say that's not what he's saying at all. Let me unpack that a little bit. Jesus says, if you ask whatever you want, God will give it to you. Here's the most important thing. It's for us to understand who we are asking. You see, that's the most important thing. It's not about us. This statement, this lesson that Jesus is giving isn't about you and me twisting a heavenly Father's arm so that we get whatever we want. This is a lesson about the fact that we can ask a truly good, perfect, all-loving Father for anything that we want, and he will respond. He will give. He will. But he does it in a very, very special and even better way than we imagined. You see, because if I did get given that Land Cruiser, I'm then gonna have to find somebody else to pay for the insurance and the diesel. Because I can't afford to run that sucker. I mean, I wish I could, but I can't. And so, what's going on here? Perhaps the best way to discover how to get anything that we want from God is to, is to not look at ourselves in the context of this passage, but to look at God. And to ask ourselves this question, what does God want for us? What is it that our Father wants for us? Because I think once we're able to answer that question, not just as dads, but as parents, as grandparents, as human beings living in the world, we're often, I don't know about you, often I go, what, what do they want from us? What, what, what does our government want from us? What does society want from us? What do my kids want from us? What do you want? And I think if we can answer that question in terms of God, the other things, well, let's go there. Let's see where this ends up for us. What does our Father want from us? Jesus says it in Luke 11. He says, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake? Or if it asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. Now, you see what Jesus is doing here? He's answering a question about God and prayer. And what does he say? He turns to a group of people and he says, which of you fathers? He's putting this request into the context of a relationship. Not the kind of relationship between a, a shopkeeper and a customer. Not even the kind of relationship between Father Christmas and us. 
not into the kind of relationship where, where I have to give something in order to get something. It's not that. He's putting it into a relationship. He's, he's saying, fathers, I want you all for a moment to think like a dad. Or if you're a mom, to think like a mom. Or if you're a big brother, to think like somebody who's in a deep, intimate, committed relationship with somebody else. That's how you answer this question. And so the first thing that we need to understand about what our Father in heaven wants for us is that he wants an intimate relationship. He wants a deep, intimate relationship with us. Luke 11, 2, right in the beginning of that passage where they've asked Jesus how to we pray. And Jesus starts like this. When, then he said to them, when you pray, say, Father. Jesus was doing something very revolutionary when he did that. He, he, he was taking prayer out of, a, out of the temple. He was taking prayer out of the formal, very specific, very strict, very structured, very scary zone and saying, when you start praying, remember who, are, who you are talking to. You are talking, and he uses purposefully the diminutive, the, the, the intimate term for dad. That term we hear if, if we are parents, when our kid asks us for, dad, I'm scared. Can I get into bed with you? You know, they don't come and, and stand formally next to the bed and say, Father, I have a request of you. <laughs> they don't. It's dad, help. And we rush in there. I need water, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but that's what Jesus is doing. He's telling us that what our Father wants above anything else for us and between him and us is a deep, loving, intimate relationship. A relationship that doesn't just coast on the surface, but goes to the heart of who we are and who he is. Stuff is nice. Nice stuff is nice. But a spa treatment for me, for some person I don't know, who's got a massage my back, I just feel sorry for the person, this poor person. They're gonna have to touch my toes. But you know what, when my granddaughters do it, it's like the best. Why? Because there's that deep connection between the two of us. I have a, grand, I have a granddaughter, Pompa, I want to rub cream on your legs. Your skin is so dry, Pompa. I mean, that, what's going on there? It's the relationship. It's the relationship. And, and that's what God is saying to us when he says, ask me anything you want. It's coming from a heart of a dad who says the greatest thing in the whole world for me would for, be for the two of us to be as close as is humanly possible for God and his, crea and his creation to be. God wants an 
intimate relationship Jesus is saying to his disciples. And so when you walk up to him, when you start asking him for things, when you're not asking a shopkeeper, you are not asking a, a, a business partner, you're not asking Father Christmas, you're asking the person who loves you the most of everybody in the whole world. That's who you're asking. But not only does Jesus say is he wants the, in, the relationship to be intimate, but God also wants the relationship to be enduring. An enduring relationship. Right in the beginning, when Jesus, when he says this in verse nine, he uses a particular way of speaking. He says this, so I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And so many of us view that through the lens of our culture. We, if we want something, we just click a few buttons and it gets delivered to our door. Or we get in the car and we drive to a shop and we get to choose 25 different kinds of cereal. We view that like that. I just need to ask once and I'm gonna get what I, what I want. But Jesus doesn't use that kind of language. The language that Jesus is using and the tenses and, and, and the words that he's using in Greek say this, that keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on keeping on knocking. He's, he's saying to us that that must be a way of life. It must be a way of this constant communication between you and your father. My mom and I had a close relationship and we used to sometimes have to travel from Leidenburg to Joburg to go and fetch my dad when he'd gone overseas or he was at head office. And, and a drive from Leidenburg to Joburg in those days was about four hours. And my mom and I would chat and then we would go on in silence for three sometimes hours. And there's two kinds of silences like that. The really awkward ones, where he's like, please, somebody say something. And then in the other ones, like the one between me and my mom. We were just together and it was awesome. And even when I wasn't saying things to her, or she was saying things to me, there was this thing between us of we are always asking, we are always seeking, we are always knocking. And that's one of the things God says to us. This isn't about a transaction, says Jesus. This is about a relationship. So when you pray, don't turn it into simply a list. You can have lists. That's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But make sure that the lists don't come in front of the relationship. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. You will find. You will be given. The door will be opened to you. Because what God wants from us is an enduring relationship. But God also, in this passage, clearly shows us that in this conversation about prayer, in this world of we asking God to provide for us, that the kind of relationship God wants from us is also a transforming relationship. It's a relationship that changes who we are as people. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, now Jesus is talking to his disciples, 
and to the other people that are listening. Though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? <laughs> wow. Nice one, Jesus. I mean, calling me evil. You know, I mean, really. <laughs> I wonder how long we'd have a good church going on here if every Sunday one of us preachers stood up and said, Morning, all you evil people. Welcome. I mean, what is Jesus doing? Is he, is he condemning them for being evil? Actually, he's not. Because he's talking to people he loves. And, and what he's saying to them is, is, guys, you are imperfect. We know that. You, you are evil. You don't know how to do this properly. You don't know how to be unselfish. But even you know that if your children asked you for something bad, you wouldn't give it to them. You'd give them something good. How much more God, the perfect parent, is going to give good things? Not only that, but also I'm here not just to give you things, but to, to transform you, to take you on a journey with me so that you go from being evil to being good. From being who you are right now to being who you were created by God to be. It's really interesting. There's two places that this passage gets spoken about. The one is in uh, Luke and the other one is in Matthew. And the contexts are slightly different. And so it could be that Jesus taught this lesson twice um, in two different places. Preachers are known sometimes for preaching the same sermon twice, even Jesus. Okay, Spurgeon once said, if it's not worth preaching 50 times, it's not worth preaching once. So, so, so it could have been that Jesus preached the same message in two different, or his disciples, when they wrote these things down, just remembered different parts or included different parts. That doesn't matter. But you see, he says in the one place, he says, if you ask God, of course he's going to give you the Holy Spirit. Okay? In the other one, in Matthew 7, 11, he says, you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Now, now what's the difference between those two endings? The one ending, God's saying, I will give you what you need to transform. I'll give you the Holy Spirit who will guide you into truth, who will help you carry things you can't carry on your own, who will work in your conscience and in your community and in your world to help you understand scripture and to be able to recognize sin in your life and be obedient to you. I'll give you that gift that you can have so that you can be transformed. In the second one, it seems like the, um, the, the emphasis is slightly different. It's this. I will give you what you need to live outwardly as a provider and one who loves and one who fulfills what God wants. I'll make you somebody who can love the Lord his God with all his heart, soul, and strength and love his neighbor as much as he loves himself because Jesus says that's what the law and the prophets are about. 
So there's this beautiful picture of when you ask me, you are asking me in terms of a relationship that's about you changing, not just your relationship with me, but your relationship with the world around you. Let me go back to my coffee machine for a moment. The selfish me wants that coffee machine because it's awesome. But I can even see in my own heart a good reason to have that coffee machine. True story. Because I love sharing coffee with other people. It's one of my favorite things. People often come to my house and say, hey, I said, you want coffee? They say, well, if you're making for yourself. I'm like, no, that's not what, I'm not gonna, I just wanna make you a nice cup of coffee. That's not about me, it's about you. And so, God wants to provide. He wants to give us everything we need. But he will only do it as a perfect father. He won't do it as, as, as an unwise father. And guys, we get it wrong, we know that. But God never gets it wrong. We really can have everything that a perfect father wants to give his children. You and I can genuinely have everything that a perfect father wants to give his children. And the way we get that is to keep seeking and to keep asking and to keep knocking because that means we keep the relationship happening and in that God slowly changes us. You see, the truth is that God doesn't just want me to have a nice relationship with my grandchildren. He wants me to have an abundant relationship with everybody in the world. That's what he wants. That's what he wants. And it was so beautiful to see how these disciples were changed in their journey with God. If you read the, if you read the Gospels, you will see how self-centered the disciples were, like us. What do you want from me? Oh, we want to sit on your right hand and your left hand when you come into your glory. What do you want from me? Oh, we want you to thrash the Romans so that we Israelites can be in charge again. What do you want from me? We want to be first in your kingdom, God. We want what we want. And Jesus begins to show them that the abundant life that I promise to you actually isn't about having those things. The truth is you could be first and, and you could have all the stuff, but I'm telling you now, what I want from you is an abundant life, not just a life full of toys. An abundant life, not just a life where you never have to worry about money. An abundant life, it's so much more than the things that you and I want from God. One of the greatest privileges of my life, and I, I, I realize that other people don't get that privilege because of circumstances, but some of us do. One of the greatest privileges of my life was to hold my father's hand when he died. But what was more a privilege was that in my heart I knew there was nothing outstanding between him and me. 
I mean, there were, I look back as a kid and I'm thinking, Dad, why did you do that? Why didn't you give me that racing bike when I wanted it, Dad? Come on. You know, why didn't you do that? Why did you do that for the, and not for me? But as I look back on my dad's relationship with me my whole life, I came to realize in that moment that what he'd given me was much greater than any of the things I wanted. He gave me himself. Imperfectly, because he was evil, he was a normal human being. But that, that abundant life that he'd given me, even though he hadn't given me all the things I wanted. But there's a second thing that God promises us as his children, not just an abundant life, Jesus talks a lot about that, but God also promises us joy in our lives right now. I uh, often feel guilty when I'm doing disaster relief work. Uh, I do, I think I've said it a few times, because I like doing it so much. I just, I have this amazing feeling inside me when I'm doing it, and it's, it makes me feel guilty, because I'm watching other people suffer. I'm busy doing what I do because of other people's sufferings. And, and, and I used to often try to hide it. And then a while back, I don't know if you remember, Sandy Reed was talking to us, and she talked about how much fun we had in the warehouse during the floods. That, that we had this laughter and stuff in the middle of all of that, and I suddenly realized something. What I'm experiencing isn't fun. It's joy. It's joy. And that's a completely different thing to just having a good time. And that's one of the other things that God promises to us, his children, when we ask him. When we say, God, I, I, I don't know, I need, I need. He promises us joy. Those disciples, how much that joy changed them. Paul finds himself in prison. And let's not kid ourselves. Most of us would say, God, what do, you, what do I want? I want to get out of this prison. Please, get me out of this prison. That's what I want. And it would be a perfectly reasonable thing to ask a father. But he doesn't. What does he say? God, just help me to share your love with my gods. Help me to share your love with Caesar, maybe, because I'm right here in his house. Help me to share your love with my fellow prisoners. And every single one of the disciples, instead of asking for things from God, learned to ask God for whatever he was going to give them because he knows best. And because of that, our world has changed. They didn't ask for influence. Those 12 guys didn't ask for influence. And yet here we sit. 2,000 years later. Why? Because they asked God to use them. When they kept knocking and saying, God, open the next door to us. God, show us what the next thing is that you have for us. Instead of them deciding what they needed, they let God decide what they needed. They discovered that what they really wanted, what they really wanted was whatever it was that their good father had for them. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel the pressure to give and to provide. And if you like that this morning, 
I want to take the pressure off you a little bit. I know that some of you wish you could give your children more or your friends more or, or, or just something that you haven't been able, instead of just turning to God and saying, God, do you know what I want to give these people? Whatever you give to me, I'll hand on to them. Whatever it is that you enable me to hand on, that's what I'll hand on. Why? Because you're a good father. Now, I mean, dads, I hope you go home and stand in dads and substitute dads and mom who are being dads, all of you. You providers, I hope when you go home, you get given the good stuff, eh? But I also hope that you get given this gift of knowing that you, with all the pressure that's on you in this moment, have a good father who loves you more than you can ever know and who will give you everything you need. But you must learn to ask. In fact, you must learn to keep asking, to keep seeking, to keep knocking. Because God himself has promised if you do that, he will give you what you ask for. Because he is a good father. Let's worship him. Let's stand together and give thanks to that good father. God, thank you that you're a perfect parent, that you are the perfect lover of who we are. God, thank you for this promise that you've made to us of providing, of whatever we ask for, you will give it to us. But God, thank you that you are God and we are not. And God, thank you that when we ask for those things that are going to break us and damage us and hurt us, you will not give them to us because you love us. Lord, may we go knowing that we are provided for by a good father. May we go knowing that we can provide because we have a father who provides. God, send us out here knowing that your grace, your mercy, and your peace rests on us, not just today, but tomorrow and every day until one day we see you and we know you perfectly and then forever. And all God's people said, amen. God bless you. Have a great Father's Day.